That was pretty good, wasn't it? I, I kind of love this idea, this image of, of a family with an elephant at the dining room table, an elephant crushing the couch. I would definitely not be happy with an elephant stealing my peanut butter, but the, the image is just so poignant of an elephant in the room. Now, when elephants get into the room, they cause all kinds of problems. They're so big that they split people apart. They get in between us. They stampede and they break things and they make messes and they undermine relationship and they just they stink and destroy everything in the house. And as, as bad as it is, many of our families have chosen to make the elephant a family pet, just like David. Now, as we look at the good and the bad and the ugly of David, we can see that there was this moment where even though his heart was after God, that he kind of lost track and he began to pretend. He began to pretend as if everything was okay with God, that everything was okay with his family, that there were no problems or struggles or sin within his life. Now, as we kind of go through this series, we're going to look at the life of David. And, and I invite you to go to 2 Samuel. You can read chapters 7 to 19 and kind of see this picture, this unfolding of his life. It happens in, in four seasons, really. And, and over the course of the series, we'll take these seasons and learn lessons from them. But the first season that we see, and you find much of it there in, in chapter 7, is his birth to 17 years. His, this is his time with his family of origin and his relationship with his father and his older brothers, and he was a, a shepherd. And then as we move even into chapter, there toward the end of chapter 7, we find David kind of between families. This is the time when the famous story of David and Goliath happens. This time where he is in between his family of origin and the creation of his own family. He's kind of a soldier for hire. And then there is this, this season that happens between 30 and 37 years old where he is the king of Judah. They're just the two tribes. And there's this six-year season, six-seven-year season. And he has six sons during this time. And he begins his own family. But at the same time, he is building his career. And this creates some dysfunction. And we'll take some time to learn from that as well. And then finally, we see his years of family life from ages 37 to 70. And he's the king now over all of Israel. And he's kind of living out this life as a father and grandfather and reaping the results of the way that he had lived his life in family life. But over this story, we see there is this remarkable favor on, on David from God. He's chosen as a young man to be the next king after Saul's failure. He is protected and, and empowered as he fights Goliath and fights the battles for Israel. He's made king of Judah and then king over all 12 tribes of Israel, bringing them together. God is with him. But then, then he decides to pretend in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9, we hear God speaking through the prophet Nathan. They asked David, 
Why do you despise the ways of the Lord? Anytime we pretend that we don't have problems or issues, any of that pretense is going to start to kill family life. And we see that in, in 2 Samuel Second Samuel chapter 12, and I invite you to turn there in your Bibles if you have them. And, and what's happened is, is another one of the famous stories and, and David's famous failure, right? He should be out at battle in the spring with the rest of his army, but he doesn't go. He's out on his rooftop and he looks out and he sees Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and he decides that as king, he can have whatever he wants, including another man's wife. And so he calls for Bathsheba, and Bathsheba gets pregnant, and, and, then, and then David cooks up a plan. He first tries to make it look like it was Uriah's child, but Uriah has too much honor and respect for the king to fall for the plan, and so David essentially has Uriah killed and brings Bathsheba into his home as his wife. He thinks that no one knows what he's done. He believes and is pretending like there's no problem, that he's not done anything, that nothing is wrong here, that he is innocent and good and pure and making sure that anyone who might know anything isn't talking. It's just something we don't talk about. We don't talk about how close it is to the time that Bathsheba came into the king's house that she's having a baby. We don't talk about these things. We just pretend like they're not there. And so the Lord sent Nathan to tell David a story in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And it says this, There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. And one day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. Any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Verse 7, Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. You thought you got away with it. You thought you could pretend with God. You thought you could pretend with everyone else. It says, The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Listen, he says, David, you've had my favor. I have had your back. I have blessed you and poured out blessings on you. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. 
And from this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says, because of what you've done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly and in the sight of all Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have showed utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. It's a devastating story and a devastating moment in David's life. As he attempted to pretend with God, as he attempted to pretend with those around him, to pretend like everything was okay, that there was, everything was just fine. Everything began to fall apart around him. This is what happens in our lives. This is what happens in our lives when we allow pretense to take root. Secrecy and pretending. The truth is that Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, Paul writes these words. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. We'll reap what we sow. We can't hide from God. We can't pretend with God. We can't pretend with the world around us and think that the problems that are growing within us aren't going to have an effect. Pretense leads to ruin. You will reap what you sow. And so will your children. David's story is heartbreaking as we hear in that final line that this child of Bathsheba's will die. And we may not have that kind of punishment where our children uh, physically die because of our pretense. But can I tell you that if we allow elephants to be family pets, if we ignore what's happening in our families, if we ignore the, ignore the abuse, if we ignore the up and down attitudes, if we ignore the, the fear, if we ignore the addictions, if we ignore the things happening and we pretend like it's okay to treat each other in these belittling, broken ways, that our children are dying inside. Our spouses are dying inside and we create a cycle that gets repeated for generations. And we have to be the ones who rid our home of elephants. Anita and I, when we got married, we made a deal. It was a deal that has marked our family. Now we, we kind of make all kinds of deals. Some of them work out well and some of them don't work out so well, at least for me. When we had, uh, when Noah was first born, he had acid reflux, and so we had to use formula. And this meant that we had to make about a dozen bottles of formula every day for the next day. So at the end of each day, one of us would rinse and wash out and sterilize the bottles and make the formula and mix it up and then put it into the new bottles. It was a hated job by both of us. The formula smelled bad, and by the end of a day with his reflux, it felt like that's all you could smell as he, he just kind of vomited it up all the time. And so there was this night 
this one night that I really just did not want to make the formula. I just, I just didn't want to do it. And I was willing to do about anything. I said, okay, I'll do it for the next two nights if you do it tonight, Anita. She's like, no, I don't want to do it. And she kept pushing and kept pushing. And this deal is now kind of infamous between us because she managed to make a deal that worked out great for her. And I regretted, well, forever. Because I ended up doing the bottles for the next 10 nights just to keep from doing it that one night. It was a terrible deal. But that's not the deal I'm talking about. We actually made a deal that has changed our lives and our home and our relationship for the better. It is it is ensured that our home is an elephant-free zone, even when it's not a problem-free zone. We made this deal early on that if either one of us was hurting or angry or frustrated by the other, if we had been disappointed or or hurt by the other, that we had permission to speak it and to speak it as soon as possible. And that the other was required to listen without response or defense, that we just hear and then we begin to find a way forward to make sure that it doesn't continue to exist in our relationship. We gave each other permission to call it out, to name the elephants, to name the hurts, to name the struggles, because we knew that we couldn't allow elephants to continue to exist in our home. We have to deal with things. Now, there's no such thing as a problem-free marriage or a problem-free family. We're all going to have problems. We're all going to have struggles. We're all going to have fights and arguments. We're all going to lose our temper and yell from time to time. The key is to acknowledge our problems. When we acknowledge our problems, the elephants in the room have to leave. As soon as you point out that they are there, they have to leave. As long as you pretend like they don't exist, they have free reign in your home. Now over this series, we're going to push on some some issues that, that exist in our families. We're going to be talking about things like belonging and belittling We're going to be talking about the the ways that affection and discipline get out of balance or, or, or how there are some of us who live walking on eggs. We're going to talk about over expecting and dissatisfaction in marriage and family secrets. The key, the key to it all is being candid and courageous. If anything's going to change, we have to confess our own elephants. Nathan confronted David. Nathan confronted David, and David confessed his sin. He confessed the problem. He acknowledged the problem. And he was forgiven, and he began to work his way toward being a different kind of man. It didn't erase all the consequences, but it opened the door to a new kind of family life. We, too, have to confess our elephants. We, we can say... I sinned. I messed up. Listen, this series, I know, I know some of you are sitting on the couch. 
Some of you are sitting on the couch with your spouse and you're thinking, I am so glad that my husband or my wife is listening to this with me. I can't wait to hear what they have to say about this. Some of you are listening to this in your car or while you're working out and you're thinking, man, I'm going to send this to my brother or my sister or mom or, or whoever so that they hear this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out their elephants. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't get to confess somebody else's elephants. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we are willing to confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. The beginning of this is this candid confession. Now, I recognize that some of us aren't very good at confession. We're not very good at saying, I'm sorry. We don't know how to do it. We've not done it. This may be as the first time in your family that you've stood up and owned your elephants. And so I want to help you. Kevin Myers wrote out a confession for us as he taught on some similar subjects. And I, and I want to just share what he wrote. This is maybe the words that you and I need to stand up and share in our families. It goes like this. I'm stinking up the house with my attitude, my behaviors, my selfishness, my narcissism, my silence, my temper, my self-absorbed ways, my belittling, my neglect of others, my unwillingness to serve in the family. I'm stinking up the house, my up and down, y'all need to walk on eggshells around me disposition. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Two very powerful words. You might also say, it may take me a while to grow through this. I'll probably do this again. But here's what I'll do. I'll own it. I will be honest and open and humble. I'll do my best to be candid and courageous. And here's the thing. These elephants, they have to leave. And when the elephants leave and this is called out, you can begin to actually deal with the problems. You can begin to actually solve the problems. You begin to actually reverse the behaviors. But as long as you're pretending, it can't happen. That's why you may also want to add something like this. And it would be nice. And it would be nice if the rest of you would, you would acknowledge your elephants as well versus pretending like I'm the only one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Powerful words that need to be heard often spoken often in our families, acknowledging the elephants. Are there elephants in your home, in your marriage, in your parenting? Are there things that you've been ignoring, refusing to talk about? Are there off-limit topics? Is there anything in your family about which you know you better not talk to anybody else? These are elephants, and they're being destructive, they're stinking up your home. They're causing problems and making messes. And it's time to run them out of the house. Now listen, I'd like to talk to dads for just a moment. Husbands and dads. But listen, before I do that, I need this just to be between me and the men. Wives, if you're listening, I don't want to mm-hmm or yeah or that's right. And I never want you to bring this up again. This is just between me and them. Dads, husbands, you have to go first. You have to go first. It's on you to lead the way. 
and to create an example of how to live an elephant-free life. You see, we often feel this pressure and this need to provide for our families. We want to provide a home. We want to provide opportunity. We want to provide the necessary resources. And we see ourselves as provider. But we can provide every resource and every benefit and every opportunity in the world. But if we don't provide an elephant-free home, then we are setting our kids up for ruin. We are setting our family up for destruction. We are called, we are called to go first, to provide an elephant-free home for our kids to grow up in, where they can be themselves, where they can be who they were created to be, where they can do what they were created to do without fear and in the safety of a home where they can belong and feel connected and valued. So you have to confess your own elephants. And dads, there's times when you need to take your kids aside privately and point out their elephants. Times when you need to go to your son and say, listen, we're not going to talk to each other like that. We're not going to act like that. And you can't have that attitude in this house. Times when you need to go to your daughter And you need to have these same conversations about up and down moods and attitudes and stubbornness. And we need to talk about how we interact as a family. It's our job to create that space and protect it for our families. Now listen, this is not a quick fix series. This is not five steps to a better family life. This is a get fit series. David... David crashed and burned. David pretended with God and everyone around him and it cost him dearly. But when he confessed, God began to bring him back. And God began to set him on a new path. And God began to do something in him that we remember today. So here's the question. It's simple. What elephants do you need to confess? What elephants do you need to point out? I can't point them out for you. I can't call them out for you. I can't name them for you. Only you can do that. That's why we kind of live by three questions of discipleship here. What is God asking you to do? Do you have the courage to do it? Do you need help? We're here to help, but the key is this, being candid and courageous. God's Spirit is within us, making us courageous. He's given us a spirit of courage, not of fear, not of timidity, but one of hope. If you'll start dealing with the elephants in your home, you start dealing with the elephants in the room, your family will begin to change and get fit, and get healthy, and functional, and you will see something new in your spouse and your kids that you never knew was possible. But it's going to take us being courageous, being candid. Maybe you want to take a minute, 10 minutes, a couple hours, as a family, after you watch this message, and just have a candid conversation. Dad, maybe you want to go first. 
Acknowledge your attitude. Acknowledge your elephants. And invite those around the circle to do the same. And together, to begin to have a healing conversation about how this home can be a place of openness and honesty and connection and safety where there are no elephants. Not that they're not problems, but there are no more elephants in the room. Let's pray. Father, You are good and You are faithful. We can't pretend with You and we can't hide from You and we recognize that we all have sin and brokenness and we all have problems. But God, we don't allow, we don't have to allow those things to own us. We don't have to allow those things to persist in our homes and our family that we can call them out. We can name them and with your help, we can deal with them. So would you give us courage in this series to be candid with one another, to deal with what's there, to stop allowing it, destroy our families, our hearts, our kids, our lives, our, our home. God, set us free, we pray, by giving us the courage to call out the elephants. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.